Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Here with me is Avery. Good afternoon, or whatever time you're listening to this at. And Gregory. Hey. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod, and feel free to email us at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our basketball recapping the week in Pac-12 hoops, talking about who's up, who's down, and everything in between let's go ahead and get this started because i am not feeling well after a night of drinking two nights ago <laughs> <laughs> which tells you what what that was like let's just go right into our peak of the pack and now the peak of the pack <laughs> All that pomp and circumstance for one week of Pac-12 basketball. Avery, start us off. Who had a good week in the conference? And again, as always, this could be a player, a coach, a team. Where do you want to go with this one? I'm I'm not going to go with the obvious choice here. I think there's like a very obvious route to take. I am going to talk about Washington State. I think Washington State had a really good week. Uh, they started they started out with a win over Stanford on thursday 66 to 60 which you think isn't a great score against stanford but this is the only the second time this season that stanford has lost a home game so stanford has been like just unreal at home um and then on saturday they (laughs) narrowly squeaked by cal but even just getting those wins is really important for washington state as a bubble team right now i think they honestly i'm starting to think washington state is the like solidified as the fourth best team in the conference. I don't know. Oh wow. They've oh. Oregon hasn't looked good, okay? Like I think Oregon held that position for me and maybe it's just cuz Oregon struggled to beat Utah, but I I'm really high on Washington State right now. I think they're ranked 33rd in Ken Palm currently, which is fourth in the Pac-12, right? That's right. Yep. So mm-hmm. I I think they have a really good shot at making the tournament. I would be disappointed if they didn't make the tournament at this point. And this week was really important for that because a lot of teams have been struggling when they go to play Stanford and Cal. Yeah, it's not a bad pick. Uh, They now have the number one defense in the Pac-12, according to defensive efficiency. Their top three in opponents' effective field goal percentage. Um, They're the second best team at turning teams over with the second highest turnover ratio. They're a really good defensive team. Um, And in both of those games against Stanford and Cal, now again, like not impressive games at all. Squeaked by in both of them. Um, But the defense got it done. and and really like if you're if you can defend as well as Washington State's defending against anyone um that's impressive uh so that's not a bad pick yeah uh, and they've just, they have a really tough stretch coming up they play the Arizona and the LA schools next like they have avoided mm-hmm. playing them up to this point so it's important that they won both these games because they're at least yeah. in a decent position going into the hardest stretch of the season. So even if they just beat Arizona State um, and drop games to Arizona, UCLA, and USC, they're still in a pretty promising position to make the tournament. 
Yeah, Michael Flowers, uh, my, you know, for Washington State, their guard uh, has been pretty awesome in this stretch and was really good in the Bay Area trip. He sh- he had twenty one point. He averaged twenty one point five points um, per game over those two games. Forty eight percent from the field, sixty seven percent from three. Didn't take a ton of them. Uh, actually, he took twelve. That's a pretty good number over two games. Um, three rebounds, three three assists. Um, you know, threw in a steal between those games. He's he's been awesome. And and Washington State right now, they don't look good offensively mostly. But Michael Flowers, when you have a guy like Michael Flowers who can play as well as he has offensively scored 22 against Stanford and then 21 against Cal like that's that's impressive I think it's it's good to have one guy who's going to be able to get you buckets not sure where the other points come from for them consistently um it's just kind of a matter of is anyone else going to have a good day or not um sometimes it'll be Tyrell Roberts and sometimes he'll be kind of invisible Noah Williams has had a rough year but he'll have a moment here or two so anyway, anything about Washington State, Greg? What do you think about the the that pick for pick of the pack this week? I think it's a good pick of the pack pick. Uh, I don't necessarily think that the fourth best team. I think they'll have a chance to prove that they are though. Like uh, like Grape said, with that LA stretch coming up, uh, Oregon beating uh, USC and UCLA did a lot for how I think of them. Like I think much highly of much more highly of them because of that, and if Washington State can do, if Washington State can get even one of them, I'll feel much much better about them going forward. And maybe I will think like if they do that, I'll probably put them at fourth for me. But for now, I'm still thinking Oregon just because I think their wins have been a little more impressed. Well, not not necessarily their wins, but the quality of the yeah, teams they like beat their schedule. Yeah, wow. yeah. Luckily for us, Oregon and Washington State um, play each other as their last games in the regular season. Oh, that could be really interesting. Yeah. Really good schedule making there. Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that game may decide actually fourth place, the first first round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. Like, might, might have some serious implications. Uh, and Washington State also gets Arizona this week, um, and they also get Oregon Monday of the following week. So we're going to get some prove-it games here from the Cougs, I think. Uh, Greg, who is your peak of the pack? You know, I'm going to leave the obvious one to you because I want you to say it. Uh, <laughs> All right, go so ahead then. I'm going to go with Utah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Utah broke the losing streak and was competitive against Oregon. That was, I don't know if, like, I know both of y'all watched the game, but for anyone who might not have, it was batshit crazy, that game. Utah was down by, what was the deficit with like two minutes left? Was it 11 points? It was close yeah, it was to that. 11 or 12. I mean, I, I like turned, I turned, I went to switch over to UCLA, Arizona State because it was, it was like at the, at the two minute mark, Utah was down by 11. I was like, all right, Oregon's putting this away. And then I was seeing what our buddy uh, Trey at Trey all day tweeting about the game, and it would it was cut to three um, somehow. Utah's press was like elite. It was Oregon couldn't do anything. It was crazy. It was so fun to watch because I I I thought Utah would have quit by now. Just after a ten game losing streak, your only win mm-hmm. is against the worst team in the conference. Uh, you know, I thought like that's a that's a place where teams usually quit, and they were down late and they fought back and almost won. They had a chance to tie it, couldn't hit the three at the end, 
but uh i'm I'm very impressed by them by the the fight in them uh, honestly i think that coaching is what fucked it over for utah at the end there because i don't know if everybody knows utah's personnel but gabe madsen is probably utah's best pure shooter like skill wise he wasn't having the most incredible game in the world but he was the best chance of like hitting that three at the end and for some reason at the last time out craig smith put in eli balstead over gabe madsen and i'm still really bothered about that because apparently eli balstead is supposed to be really amazing at hitting those shots in practice and i haven't seen it from him i don't know more than once in actual games so i don't know what could have been i suppose yeah, yeah, and ha- and didn't get a good look. You know, Utah did no, not get not a good look. A good look at the end there, um, a, and a couple of times at one point they there did were put a in few Gabe misses. Madsen. I think they had a few chances to hit. Yeah, the last that. one just sticks in the mind the most because it was the last. Yeah, no, it was it was a spirited game from Utah. They had just come off beating the absolute shit out of Oregon State mm-hmm. a couple of days before. What was it was a twenty something point margin? Um, I don't have this. I lost my tab on the schedule here. Um, and then to come in here and, and fight the way they did against a good Oregon team. This Oregon team is good now. Like, I think this Oregon team has like figured it out. This, they're running on mostly all cylinders. I I don't necessarily think this is a function of Oregon. Just it's a road game. Uh, mm-hmm. Utah's obviously going to be a, a better in the Huntsman center. Um, so I, it was a spirited performance from the, from Utah, um, and getting, getting contributions just kind of looking at the box where you're getting contributions from all over the place raleigh worcester 13 points marco anthony 15 points gabe matson 19 points brandon carlson 11 um it looks like they got 8 11 14 points from the bench so uh, just a broad contribution um that's pretty impressive stuff so i i like utah as a peak of the pack pick all right carlos who who's your peak of the pack <laughs> yeah the obvious one it's Arizona. Uh, we waited all this time to talk about them. Arizona had the best week by far. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to, uh, they hosted the LA schools, UCLA and USC, swept them both. Uh, first game against UCLA on Thursday, won that one in a game that I think was closer than that final score indicated. Um, it kind of went down to the wire. Arizona did get up early, um, much earlier than I think than it had gotten against UCLA at the, in the first tilt that they did this about like what, two weeks ago now Um, they had gotten up early, had about a 12 point lead by halftime. That first half uh, from Arizona, you could tell there was some serious desperate, like Arizona played this game against UCLA. Like they needed to win this game. Mm -hmm. Um, The environment, like you could tell, I could tell from the TV, the, the environment was it was raucous but in an anxious sort of way right like it like if you're watching game seven of an nba finals or like you know if there was like uh we don't it's too bad we don't get ncaa tournament games uh on college campuses i feel like that's what it would feel like just like nervous angry raucous energy during that game and arizona came out hot um the the surprising thing about this game and the surprising thing about the way that arizona won is they didn't necessarily play as fast as I think they would have liked to. I think yeah. they were intentionally slowing it down and being physical. Um, it was a. Uh, it was actually surprising to see that the game plan was 
to slow it down a little bit. That was an intentional decision mm-hmm. from Tommy Lloyd. A good adjustment, really good adjustments from uh, the previous game. Also, is just using their length and size. Like they had they from from the get go, it it looked like they were a little embarrassed to have been tricked into shooting so many three pointers in the first go round that they almost took none to start this game um, in this go around when they host them McHale center. It was pounding the rock inside against UCLA and saying, we're taller than you. We're bigger than you. Uh, we got Christian Coloco who's a seven footer. We have Julius Tabellis is a seven footer. Your tallest guy right now is Cody fucking Riley. He's six foot nine. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, and for a while that was true. Um, it took UCLA did make some really nice halftime adjustments that kind of got them back into the game. Uh, but Arizona kind of closed that out as they normally do. And one other player that I will kind of shout out here, who I think um, I think had a had a much louder game than he actually did, but just because of who he is, Kirk Risa uh, had a nice bounce back game. He had 16 points, not super efficient. He went <laughs> four for 14, but it's just I, I kind of tweeted about this. Kirk Creesa hitting a three is like it. It's like at, at home is it, it feels like it's worth 10 points. It's like it's. It's not just like a normal three from anyone else. It does something for Arizona for Kirk Creesa to be hitting a three. It just like gets the crowd going way more um, than than anyone else kind of hitting those shots. So he had a he had a very loud, maybe inefficient game, but when he's hitting those shots, they just feel like they're worth so much more. I don't know, Avery. Were you going to say something about this game? Um, it definitely felt like UCLA's head wasn't in it. And I'm not like using that as an excuse for why UCLA lost, but I don't know. It just felt like you said way more important to Arizona than UCLA, which is kind of ridiculous because UCLA should care about that game. So it's, it's an important game for them. Uh, I'm I'm happy that we once again know who the best team in the conference is, and I'm sure that <laughs> will change again next week because I say that every fucking week on this podcast. <laughs> Greg, what did you think about this game or, or, you know, and then we could talk a little bit. What did you think about the Arizona UCLA game? And then we can talk a little bit about Arizona USC on Saturday. I was really impressed with the adjustments Arizona made going into the game. Like we knew for months that Arizona had the best bigs in the conference. And in the first game, like you said, they didn't use them. They just kept shooting threes and a combination of UCLA playing elite defense and them just having an off shooting night made it a really rough day for them. But uh, in this last game, they just pounded it to, especially to Bellis. To Bellis was fantastic when he was on the floor. Uh, they just pounded it down in sight, and for a long stretch, UCLA had no idea what to do, and it just like it was such a departure from the last game where, oh, the first game where uh, it felt like Arizona couldn't get anything at the rim. It was just the complete opposite of that. Um, in the second half, I was impressed that UCLA battled back. Like, I think there's always some danger when you go down like that at halftime that you're going to give up a big run at the beginning of the second half and it's going to be over. But uh, they, they cut it down to three, and Arizona just managed to pull away again. Uh, I am Arizona had responses, yeah, every time yeah. UCLA had something going. I wonder if Tabellis not playing the end of that game had something to do with UCLA coming back. Uh, but at the same time, UCLA looked good, and they're completely capable of that, even when he's healthy. Like, they can always make a run. I'm 
<laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for the next time these two play because I'm sure they'll play in the conference tournament because I think they're better than the other teams in the conference. Uh, that, game's, that game could be... Look, we, we saw UCLA dominate Arizona in LA, and we saw Arizona beat up on UCLA in Tucson. Uh, clearly, like the home, the home court advantages for these teams, I think, kind mm-hmm. of... I mean, maybe it's that big of a difference. Getting these two teams on a neutral site, that's going to be fun. Especially in Las Vegas, in that environment... With two games fun. of adjustments made, it's like an NBA yeah. playoff series where, like, by the third game, you just see who's better because the adjustments have been made. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I'm really hopeful we get to see them play again this year. Grapes, are you going to say something? No, I, I agree with everything that Greg said. Watching these two teams play is so much fun, and I really, really, really want to watch them play when we get, like, healthy players Mm-hmm. on both teams yeah. like yeah. i'm yeah. and obviously Jalen clark yeah you're never gonna get it perfect where everyone's 100 percent. but if they played in the conference tournament would really love if ajulis tabellis was healthy if Jalen clark was healthy that'd be great yeah jaime hawkins yeah. looked it, a little hurt like yeah 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 jaime hawkins a little gimpy here yeah e- even then though despite the injuries both games I mean, I think if you're a neutral and maybe you're not as invested in this, you're like, oh, that kind of sucked. I was hoping. I mean, I guess UCLA Arizona got tight at the end uh, in the second part, but um, hopefully it'll be a more of a back and forth affair in the in the conference tournament. Um, and then shifting gears to Saturday, Arizona beat USC 72-63, also at the McHale Center. Um, this game was also much tighter than I think the final score indicated. Yeah. In both of these games, mm-hmm. Arizona just kind of got a little bit of separation and then and then I wouldn't say blew it wide open but you know kind of got some separation and and finished you know nine ten points ahead in both of these um but USC for me I don't know what you all thought I'll kick it uh I'll kick it to you Avery first but I thought I thought USC looked way better than I thought they'd be and I thought they looked impressive I'm not sure if you agree or if you saw something different between these two teams or how much of it you actually watched. Yeah, I watched this game and it was actually very frustrating because I expected USC to do a lot worse and they were, they looked really great against Arizona and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was the first time playing a ranked team this entire season for For USC. USC. That's right. And I, I think I, I mean, we've all talked about it that USC is worse than they get credit for (laughs) like they're still a good team they're probably top three top four teams in the conference but they haven't really had any tests yet this season and they lost to Stanford twice which is kind of ridiculous because Stanford's just okay but they looked great against Arizona and I thought there was a serious danger of Arizona dropping this game to them like they it was close almost the entirety of the game so I, I'm impressed with USC. Like, I was genuinely shocked to see that outcome from them. Like, that was a great game. I don't know why they don't play like that against Stanford, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's some shit from them. Uh, what did you think, Greg? I was super impressed with USC, especially because I felt like they could have played much better than they did. They missed a lot of open threes. Uh, Matt Zemek of Trojan Wire, he tweeted that, like, imagine what happens if USC's best player even shoot 40%. Not even, like, 50%. If they just shoot 40%, USC wins the game. I don't think Boogie Mm -hmm. Ellis scored until the second half, right? Yeah. I He was really, really quiet, too. And it's just, like, if USC can play like that, 
Like if USC can play with Arizona really competitively, because those two teams looked pretty much dead even for most of the game until like the very end when Arizona finally pulled away. But uh, if USC can play like that and still keep it close with probably a top five team in the country, that makes me really hopeful for what they can do in March. And it makes me think much higher of them than I did because, you know, we hadn't seen much of them before this other than them losing to teams they should beat. And so the fact that they could play with a great team while not even playing at their best, I'm, I'm much higher on USC than I was before this game. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I was, I was impressed. Um, I was really impressed with the way that they were able to slow down the game. And again, um, USC, much like UCLA, and maybe even more so this year, really wants to slow games down and make teams grind it out. And they did that against Arizona. Um, this game only featured sixty-four possessions. That's well, well, well below what Arizona likes to do. Arizona loves to get in the sort of mid to high 70s, maybe even try to crack 80 um, in terms of possessions. This game was a much lower possession um, and one of and one of Arizona's lowest of the season. If I just kind of sort through here. Uh, no, not not one of the low, the lowest, the slowest game of the season for Arizona by a good margin. Um 64 this game, 64 possessions against USC. Their next lowest was 70 possessions against Arizona State. So USC had a really good game plan. Um, any any team that has kind of the talent that USC does should have the game plan of trying to slow down Arizona. Um, and they did a good job. I thought uh, I thought they the the guard play pretty rough mm-hmm. usually for uh, for USC. But Ethan Anderson had a couple of nice moments. He had eight points off four for six shooting. Um, Boogie Ellis, <laughs> uh, not like. I, I really hope he gets it going at some point. He's an incredibly streaky shooter um, and was doing things and playmaking mm-hmm. for USC, I think. But Five assists, um, no turnovers. Yeah, but eight points off three for 12 shooting, not great. Um, so, Drew Peterson was but, one for 13, 0 for 6 from yeah, 3. Yeah, and this is the issue with USC. So I just – so we'll let, just to stay positive about USC uh, – I really like they have a good collection of defensive players that will muck things up and make things messy, and that's how they're going to win games. They're very long, and and watching this game, you could tell they have they have length that UCLA does not mm-hmm. um, to be able to counter Arizona's bigs and the length that they have and the speed that they go at. Right, like Arizona could not dump it off and get entry passes into the into their bigs. The way they did against UCLA because USC is just so goddamn long. Drew Peterson six nine, Isaiah Mobley six ten, Chavez Goodwin is six nine. Like they just have a bunch of very long, lanky dudes who can really muck up passing lanes. Um, but you know, I Isaiah Mobley had an awesome game. Uh, he had fifteen points I he was off amazing. of yeah, and I, I, not not super efficient. Fifteen points off six for fourteen shooting, but. Again, it's just sort of those that thing where he's he's really their offense in terms of setting guys up. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense really does have to run through Isaiah Mobley, and, and was also awesome defensively exactly. too. Defensively, he was incredible. Like, I thought he was the best player on the court. I think Tabellis had a better stat line, but watching the game, I was just consistently amazed at how good Mobley was. He played thirty eight minutes in that game, so he only he only got to sit for two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny watching him out there cuz he's not 
he's not particularly athletic i don't think like i don't i don't think he's fast i don't think he has great but he's just like so smart and aware he's just always knows where to be yeah exactly um yeah him and chavez goodwin defensively chavez goodwin had a brutal game offensively um but defensively i thought they were good they they did a really great job one thing to think about for this uh this usc team outside of the shot making because i think they 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 don't have shot makers the way that UCLA does, and that's going to put them in some tough positions and really narrow their margin for error. But the other thing that's kind of concerning, their free throws. That's become a yeah. huge narrative mm-hmm. for them. Avery, did you want to say something about their free throws? It was really frustrating <laughs> to watch them. I mean, in every single game, I feel like it's such an easy thing to improve, too. And when you're this close with what's basically indisputably the best team in the conference at this point... Like, make those fucking shots. Like, I can't even imagine being a USC fan watching this game. Yeah. <laughs> it's inf- it has to be infuriating. It's infuriating for me, and I'm not, like, yeah. a USC fan, right? You're, it's like You're the opposite of a USC <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy to watch. They have um, the worst free throw percentage uh, uh, all of the season across – all Pac-12 teams. They finished dead last. They shoot 64% from the stripe. So bad. Um, that's 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 pretty bad. Um, and in this game, may not have made quite the difference, but uh, like there were moments there where USC had opportunities to take this game, um, and it involved them having free throws, like them being able to hit their free throws, and they couldn't do it. Um, so that's. That's not not a good sign, I think, um, especially because there was some crazy stat that was flashed on Fox that was like Bobby Hurley has the highest, uh, not Bobby Hurley, I'm <laughs> getting, my, getting my, uh, <laughs> my old players mixed up. Andy Enfield has the highest free throw percentage in NCAA history. Like it's 94% or something ridiculous like that as a player when he was playing. Um, so it's funny that he has one of the worst team. <laughs> free throw shooting teams in the country. Um, anyway, I know we were talking a lot about USC, but Arizona, again, you know, like pulled away, had some big moments in McHale center that really got rocking. And really that's when it, even, even when it wasn't against UCLA, like Kirk Creesa having the game that he did, um, uh, much more efficient than he was, than he was against UCLA. Um, he went four for seven from the field, 13 points, three for five from three at a great night from downtown. Um, he had half of Arizona's again, Arizona only shot 10 three-pointers. Compared they to USC's 20... 30. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it just kind of is like a good display of their strategy. And I think it was a little harder for them against USC. USC was – this was not like the UCLA-Arizona uh, game where Arizona got up big and UCLA had a battle back. Um, USC was there the entire time. Um, they were going – they were trading blows with Arizona because they had the length that um, that UCLA doesn't have. Um, to be able to kind of counter counter what Arizona likes to do and uh, getting their guys some uh, shots down low. So this is a fun game. I really enjoyed this game. This is maybe one of the more fun games of the season so far. So I, um, uh, it, but good for Arizona. They are cementing themselves right now as the best team in the Pac-12. I will say, season's not over. <laughs> I think UCLA. We I, I mean if 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 the past two years have told us anything about ucla it's they'll be better by the end of the season than they were in the middle and the beginning um and if like you know if i had if i had to pick who's going to go further in the tournament right now i'd have to pick ucla because they have the experience 
because they were just there. This would be for many of these Arizona players, all of them, I'm pretty sure, their first tournament appearance. Um, and you know, it just things change when the when the tournament uh, the tournament rolls around. So, but good good for Arizona to do this and to be able to win both of these games at home. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're going to reschedule Arizona USC from the first time, right? So we're this this might be the only Arizona USC game we get. That's a bummer because they so, match up really nicely, like two of the yeah. biggest teams in the country, height wise. Yeah, it was totally. really. It's a really. Fun I think uh, the commentators said they are the two tallest teams in the country. I think they're Not second and three, third. I think. Oh, okay. Two and yeah. three behind Florida. I misheard them then. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, that's right. That was what the gra- I saw that graphic too. Um, crazy stuff. Anyway, any other uh, peak peaks of the pack? Any? Uh, do you want to throw in a uh, Terrell Brown Jr. Despite UW being oh my gosh, down horrendous? What an <laughs> insane stat line! <laughs> UW oh. got just absolutely torn to shreds by Stanford. Which I will say again, Stanford is a different team at home. So. <laughs> take yeah, that with a grain of salt but they lost 87 to 69 um it was not close after the first 10 minutes of the game terrell brown jr had 30 points i think at one point of the game didn't he have like 50 percent of the points for his team it was wild yeah. it was like 10 of 18 shooting for him with like 26 points 11 of 30 something shooting for the rest of the team with 28 points it was yeah it made I me feel so here. bad <laughs> yeah, the line here at, at this point, at that point in the game, which is about eight minutes left in the in the game, uh, Terrell Brown Jr. had twenty four of Washington's fifty two points um, and had ten went ten for eighteen, and the rest of the team went eleven for thirty eight. So yeah. he had one less field goal in twenty less attempts than his entire team. <laughs> That's uh, big. I mean, I, I'm. Pe- we'll get it. Maybe we'll talk about them in down bad. But in terms of peak of the pack, and I and I will say, you know, maybe in the last. 10 of these points or eight of these points, I think were, they were, they were kind of garbage time. And, you know, by that point, Stanford was just sort of like letting them get some free runs at the rim, but mostly they needed every single one of these points to even be within, you know, they were within 12, 15 for much of this game. Yeah. They needed everything from Terrell Brown Jr. Yeah. Um, everything. Usually when you're looking at a game like this and you have a player that scored this many points, it's not fair to say, that, oh, without them, they would have lost by 30 more points. But in this case with Washington, I genuinely do not know if they would have scored <laughs> over 45 points without Terrell Brown Jr. Yeah. Like, that's how bad this team is. Yeah. Uh, and then in his previous game against Cal, where UW did get a big win, um, he had 19 points off 8 for 17 shooting. He's like, he's an efficient scorer. I think he's not like. Troll Brown Jr., he's not going to win player of the year because UW is so bad, I think. But, I mean, maybe he will. But um, he's not really like the shot chucker who's going to get buckets on a bad team, right? Like, I think his shots just are completely – all of his all of his points are completely necessary. Um, mm-hmm. And take UW from what – or I think UW without – Terrell Brown Jr. is what Oregon State is right now, it's frankly. Maybe worse, actually. <laughs> um, so – 
buddy. I uh, what a way to go out for your for your final season. This is the last season of eligibility, so mm. pretty uh, pretty sad way to go out. Would but I, nice hope, to I hope I hope he makes some noise to a good team. Shame he can't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like this is one of the one of the one of the times where I'm a little jealous of the NBA. It's like let's just get a trade going. <laughs> Who'd you, what would you if you're if you're uh, let's say you're USC? They need a shot maker. Who would you trade to get Terrell Brown Jr.? You can't give anything to Washington that's more valuable than him. Drew that's Peterson. The well, Isaiah Mobley, I think, is more valuable than Trevor Brown Jr. Yeah, I think he is more valuable on a good team. I think, uh, like, I think give Isaiah Ethan Mobley. Ethan Anderson. You want to throw in Ethan, An- Ethan Anderson and Drew, Drew, uh, Drew Peterson for yeah. uh, Trevor Brown Jr.? I think that's Would Washington it. say no to that? <laughs> <laughs> they might say no to that. I don't know. No. Yeah, the problem the problem with college basketball is you can't do a trade like that because one team isn't tanking because you don't get draft picks. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's tr- although you know it's like you get half a season of Toro Brown. Is that worth another couple of seasons of Drew Peterson? Is it worth a uh, you know who was the other person you said? Ethan Anderson. Ethan Anderson. I I, I actually think I think for he USC might be in his senior year. I think for USC that's absolutely that would be a good trade. <laughs> <laughs> they need that. Boogie Ellis, I mean, Boogie Ellis, uh, like, geez, he's had a brutal... I think Boogie Ellis is what we thought... Um, Terrell, Brown, Terrell Brown Jr. is what we thought Boogie Ellis would be for USC when he transferred from Memphis. Yeah. He has not been that. He's been so streaky. So, anyway, uh, good peak of the pack for Terrell Brown Jr. Let's go on to... Uh, we, we You know what? We just talked about Washington. I wanted it. I didn't get to put this and now i'm just forcing it but i don't care i was ready to drop this uh bill walton uh sound bite that i got i'm gonna play it right now the moon still up there bright as can be oh! <laughs> that's our king <laughs> I would prefer. We should have said that. We should start every time we talk about Washington or Terrell Brown Jr. <laughs> I would prefer if Washington fans did that instead of barking. <laughs> like that's better. <laughs> oh yes, the barks were out. Uh, anyway, so let's get on to our uh, let's get on to our down bad. Uh, Greg, let's start with you. Who is down bad this week? Well. There's one extremely obvious choice, and this time I am <laughs> going to pick that team. There you go. The UCLA Bruins lost to Arizona, of course, which is a respectable <laughs> loss. And then Saturday night, lost in triple overtime. It was triple overtime, right? That's right. Who was triple overtime? Triple overtime to Arizona State. I did not watch that game, thankfully. I was asleep the entirety. <laughs> um <laughs> Good. I wish I was, honestly. I w- if there was a night for me to get blackout drunk, it would have been that one. <laughs> uh, from what I gathered this morning, disgusting game. Uh, lots of people retweeting the David Woods tweet of uh, every UCLA game that goes to overtime is just an absolute abomination, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it seems like that's what happened. I saw a lot of people criticizing Mick Cronin's coaching during that game. Uh, Jalen Clark started no that was so apparently the stat broadcast thing was uh like stat broadcast 
was kind of off and who was playing and stuff, and oh, okay. then it refreshed. Right. So Bruin Report Online put something out that said Jarlene Clark was starting, and everyone went into a tizzy because he's not even supposed to be playing. <laughs> um, and and so, but no, he didn't end All up right. playing. Makes he's still that up. makes more sense. And I was just like, well, I guess he won't be starting any more games if he's gonna start, and they're gonna <laughs> lose to Arizona State. So uh, you watched the game. Uh, uh, what was it like? Grapes, grapes. Did you watch this game? I actually didn't turn it on until it, I heard it was going to overtime, and even then, I I was was just not kind of attention. I did not give a uh, shit. Good, good, because <laughs> this was this game was disgusting. Uh, it was horrific. It was maybe one of the worst games I've seen played in one of the worst UCLA games I've seen played in the Mick Cronin era. Um, here's the thing about this game. Uh, so. Arizona State beat UCLA 87-84 in triple overtime. Um, The thing with this game is that neither of these teams played well. Arizona State did not play well enough to, like, force an upset. Uh, They shot 45% from the field, 34% from three. That's not the kind of shooting that you'd expect from a, a very bad team, the way that Arizona State is. That's not the kind of shooting performance that you'd expect for them to get a game off of the number three team in the country, especially one that has had a really good defense and has been mostly disciplined and is not to our eyes fraudulent. Um, but UCLA just played worse and shot worse 24 for 56 from the field. That's 43%, 22% from three. Uh, this is a, it was a horrific game. It was horrifically, horrifically coached frankly by both teams because Arizona state trying to play offense. Um, <laughs> bad it's still if you thought bobby hurley has gone away from his like hey how about we just roll out the bar ball and let our guards just chuck shit up uh didn't that hasn't not gone away um it's just new new guys in there now this time it was marion jackson who had an absolutely insane game for someone who has not looked good this year who has who has been maybe actively bad uh he had 24 points uh, off seven for 18 shooting. Um, even his line was not that efficient seven for 18. Um, but he killed UCLA in very critical moments. Arizona state actually got up big in this one. They were up by about 10 or 12 midway through the second half. Um, and UCLA battled back, I guess, (laughs) um, until, and, uh, kind of, and, until they just wore out, I guess, in this triple overtime game. Um, insane, insane game uh arizona state had opportunities to put it away ucla had opportunities to take this one um they had no business winning this game so probably deserved the loss in this one um but yeah i mean the coaching decisions too i will say um i think primarily it was a couple of things and uh this is posted actually in uh i think david woods tweeted a couple of these things one was kind of crowding the the paint um doing that against a team that does not shoot very well in arizona state i get but that's mick cronin's philosophy i would say like that's just what he does i know there's going to be a lot of complaining from ucla fans about that there's complaining from david woods about it i get that like it's kind of stubborn but for being frank like that's that's what mick cronin has done that's his philosoph that's his been his philosophical approach really except in the tournament he's willing to abandon that when it comes to the tournament and he and he does make those adjustments, but during the season, generally, he's going to be fine giving up a ton of threes. Um, and then, you know, the other thing was not getting uh, Miles Johnson many minutes. Uh, Miles Johnson, I think, in the minutes that he got, he only got 17 in a game that went to, what, 
50 something. Um, Miles Johnson looked pretty good when he was out there. He was botting up uh, Arizona's uh, very, I wouldn't say tall, but lengthy athletes and Jalen Graham and Alonzo Gaffney was really botting them up offensively. And then defensively, his length was all over the place. He's a much better defender, I think, than he was a few weeks ago. Um, I actually thought he probably should have gotten more time against Arizona also, the way that Arizona was trying to punish UCLA physically. So a couple of decisions there that were just kind of head-scratching. And alongside that, like Cody Riley uh, had a brutal couple of games, some very boneheaded decision-making, not very efficient, missing shots that I think are typically automatic for him. Um. You know, just a just brutally coached game, brutally played game. I thought UCLA was the effort was dog shit. Um, this is not a game where I thought UCLA was very locked in for much of it um, until really the very end, kind of. Um, and you know, Jaime Jaquez had a, a a brutal. He was he was awesome except for a an absolutely brutal inbounds pass, kind of late. Um, that would have given UCLA an extra shot to try to go up late in one of these overtimes um, and instead sailed it like seven feet over miles Johnson Johnson's head. It was a uh, incredibly, incredibly stupid. So yeah, brutal week, um, brutal weekend for UCLA. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure I take so much away from this. I'm not like ready to call UCLA fraudulent. I'm as someone who uh, is, a very uh, sad UCLA fan most of the time, always willing to call UCLA fraudulent and prepare <laughs> them for pain, prepare me and myself for pain. But I thought they were, I they were brutal. It was disgusting. And I think they'll be fine. Any, uh, any, I don't know. What do you, I mean, do you all think that this is something to worry about for UCLA or what, or do you all just kind of count this as a dumb loss considering what you know about this game? Um, I think this is mostly, Oh, sorry. You call. I was just going to say it's, probably just a dumb loss a little bit concerning considering uh who us who ucla will be playing this week usc um when usc looks so good right now but i don't think it's anything that anyone should be extremely concerned about yeah i think that sounds right um so anyway ucla big down bad i think that makes sense they uh They'll get some chances to lick their wounds and maybe take it out on Stanford. Stanford's going to be the home team there. It's going to be a road game, so we'll see if Stanford's elite road play suddenly translates. <laughs> um, but maybe UCLA will be pretty pissed off and try to take it out on Stanford yet again. So um, any other uh, down bad candidates? Um, Colorado lost twice by double digits, and... Uh... The second one was their first ever loss to Oregon at home. First ever? No, is that is that? Oh, sorry, not first they, ever. It was first in the Pac-12 first in era. Like the, per, first in yeah. the Pac-12 era. Still, Got crazy it. stat. It's been yeah, over a that's decade. Insane. And they also lost to uh, Washington State by a lot the last time they played, which was Sunday, I think. Yeah, January 30th, which is since the last time we recorded, I think. But they did yeah. beat the shit out of Oregon State. Like, we expect them to. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> they did do that. Is is Oregon State your down bad, Avery? Oh, my gosh. Oregon State's been down bad. Yeah, like, I, I mean, they're, like, perpetual. Losing to Utah is a bummer. They beat Utah once this season, but that was, like, kind of their only chance at getting another conference win. <laughs> so, 
too bad. Too bad. Makes me sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, Oregon State, there was a really good piece from John Canzano that kind of are trying to figure out what the hell went wrong with Oregon State because it's a, it's a huge drop from where they were last year. And, and I get that, like, maybe they got hot. They got kind of lucky a little bit in the tournament. Maybe it was just a surge. Um, but to go from that to, like, this, this being one of the worst Pac-12 teams in a while, not just this year, but in a while, um, crazy stuff. Uh, they've got, they are good at, there's, it's hard to figure out what is, uh, <laughs> what's redeeming about this season um, and what's redeeming about this team right now. I don't think they do anything particularly well. I think they are um, just lost their seventh in offensive efficiency in the Pac-12. Um, they're dead last in the Pac-12 in defensive efficiency. Uh they are one of the worst teams when it comes to um, taking care of the ball. They're seventh, uh, 17.9% of their possessions and in a turvo- turnover. They don't turn over anyone. Like, they're just not They're not good at anything. Um, and John Canzano made the argument that, like, there's some selfishness going on here and some of the personalities and the transfers. Um, Gianni Hunt, he said he quit early on in the season. He was he was a critical piece. As a really good piece, go check it out from John Canzano, I guess. Um, but yeah, something is terribly, terribly wrong with Oregon State. I don't know. They gave Wayne Tingle an extension, but like this this season is, it's it's this is this is bad. Yeah, uh, this is dog shit. They're three and seventeen. They're two. Their three wins are against Portland State uh, to open the season, Nichols State, and Utah. Um, all three of those at home have not won a game away. They have not lost a game by single digits since January 10th. It's we're recording this on February 6th. It's been almost a month. It'll be close to exactly a month. Um, uh, when they play their next game in terms of like losing, just losing by single digits, they've gotten blown out. Uh, by 23 and then what's this uh 25 22 10 16 10 like just non-competitive from the jump so i don't know they have so much shit to figure out anyway so any other uh down bad candidates anyone wants to uh throw out there don't though i guess cal lost andre kelly that's gonna be big yeah that season Cal's a good one. Uh, we don't talk too much about Cal, but yeah, no Andre Kelly. He's out for the year. Mark Fox getting getting in has put himself back on the hot seat and uh, gotten got in some trouble for sitting his starters with like ten minutes to go against UW. Um, he's you know for I guess to his credit, he was kind of saying that uh, his starters had played a ton of games in like a ten day period and felt like they needed some rest, but. Uh, from the outside, it kind of looks like they were waving the flag with 10 minutes to go, which is kind of unheard of. So, anyway, Cal's got some stuff to figure out, too. Um, All right. Well, we have gotten all the way down through our down bad candidates. Let's talk about our Pac-12 power rankings. As always, I'm just going to spit out my basketball tiers really quick, and we're going to discuss them. So, in Tier 1, I have it by themselves in the Elites tier. I think it's Arizona. They just went and swept the LA schools at home, but uh, we're, we're, there was no doubt in my mind that they were the better team in both of those games. 
tier two, which are teams that I kind of put in that top 30 ish tier um, teams that I think probably either are or should be tournament teams, UCLA uh, at number two, USC at number three, Oregon at number four. And then I threw in Washington state. Um, Now I know they're going to get many, many opportunities to prove themselves. They are number 33 in Kempom. I think they are a good team. Um, They're beating the teams that they need to be beating. Um, And they're doing it, whether it's at home and on the road. And they've, again, they've got a tough stretch coming up um, of basketball. They have yet to play Oregon. They've yet to play UCLA. I think they played USC once. Yeah, it was a close game. They lost. Yeah, they came up just short on that one. They'll get to play Arizona for the first time. Um, so they will have opportunities to really bolster themselves and 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 show what they're about if they deserve to be in this upper echelon of the conference. They very well, they very well may. They play the de- best defense in the conference. Now, again, competition has not been as heavy as the other teams, but uh, they might. Tier three mediocre teams, Stanford, Colorado, Washington, Arizona State, and Utah in that order. I'd take Utah up a tier because they were, uh, you know, they had a good weekend and looking competitive even when they're losing and then tier four bottom i just called this tier yikes <laughs> cal and then oregon state any uh any quips with those anything that you want to needle i did want to point out that stanford still has a path to making the tournament um <laughs> they've only lost two matt said this last week but they've only lost two games at home so yeah i don't know if they keep up with that and maybe get a couple good road wins i have no idea what they're ranked right now in ken palm but i don't know crazier things have happened 85 crazier things they're 85 in ken palm so there's a path yeah that's not that's not that's a throw that's a stone's throw from but i do believe they are mediocre i agree with you they are mediocre but (laughs) they, they could get in so six yeah. six teams in the conference tournament dream is still alive. So let's go. <laughs> Start the agenda. Um Greg, what about you? Any uh any needling here? No, I thought it was good. All right. All right. Um yeah, conference standings were crazy up until Washington's brutal loss to Stanford. Uh before that, this morning, you if you woke up and looked at the standings, Washington was tied for second, um, <laughs> and uh, USC was sixth. Now, uh, that one loss to Stanford kind of reset things back in order. Now, the standings read Arizona being in first place, UCLA and Oregon are tied for second uh, at eight and three in the conference. Washington State right there, a half game behind, seven and three. Um, and then USC at fifth there at nine and four. Um, so... Uh, and then for a while, Washington was right there. Um, if they had beaten Stanford, they would have they they, they would have been fully tied for second in the Pac-12, uh, which would have been batshit insane to me. Um, okay, so the world is. I'm going to read the net rankings here, and if y'all, I'm just going to go ahead and read through them. If y'all have any thoughts, feel free to chime in. But if not, we'll just move on. So, net ranking rankings updated. Number two, Arizona. Number fourteen, UCLA. Number twenty-six, USC. Number 36, Washington State. Number 50, Oregon. Number 91, Stanford. Number 92, Colorado. Number 124, Utah. 125, Washington. 136, Arizona State. 146, Cal. 244, Oregon State. Any surprises? I mean, Washington State moving up. Yeah, yeah. Washington like, State's in a great spot. Yeah, they need to get they need to get a win over one of the big teams in the conference. But if they do that, they are in a fantastic 
fantastic spot. If they can split with Oregon, they can get one from USC. You know, I, I don't know, stay competitive with Arizona because, you know, the net rankings do consider margin of victory and strength of schedule and strength of opponent and things like that. I don't know. That's 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 a pretty good resume. Now, the issue is how much does Oregon need? Um, you know, and, and can they is there a path for Washington State to beat Oregon once and then also make the tournament? Uh, you know, uh, both of those teams for both of those teams to make the tournament. I think so. Right now, Jonah Lenardi has Oregon as one of his last four in Washington State not on his radar. I think he pro- they probably will be if they can get a couple of big wins here. But uh, it's going to be interesting, though. It might come down to those two teams and those those that those Washington State Oregon games mm-hmm. may actually decide who gets a fourth or fifth bid in the conference. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else about the net rankings or rankings generally? All right. Well, then, if not, let's move to our game predictions. Every week, we select a handful of interesting or marquee games for us to predict since we don't predict every game. This week, I've got three of them. First up, Thursday, February 10th, Arizona travels to Pullman to play Washington State. Just talked about this one. Ken Palm has Arizona as a 16, six, not 16, six-point road favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers? Oh, man. Uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. You know what? Screw it. Arizona beats the shit out of them. Let's go. <laughs> oh, all right. Grapes, what do you think? Um, I think that Washington State will match up pretty nicely against Arizona, I guess as nicely as any team can that isn't super talented. Um, I think Arizona is going to cover, but I think it's going to be a, a closer game than you would think. Yeah, I, 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 I it's hard because what we just haven't seen Washington State against any super elite teams out of conference, like none of it um i i like washington state's bigs um i think muhammad gay um and fa abigidi could cause problems for people like christian coloco um they have drake jack i forgot about uh not drake jackson what's uh i'm forgetting the washington state kid's name oh deshaun jackson oh deshaun jackson yes uh they've got bigs to throw at arizona's bigs they're a good defensive team i think i think arizona I think Arizona is going to win this one, but it'll be close. I think it's going to be, you know, I think if we're taking Ken Palm's uh, prediction here as a spread, I would, I would, I would take Washington State to cover, but Arizona to win. So, yeah, that one will be fun. Uh, another fun one: UCLA and USC going to battle it out on Saturday, February twelfth. Ken Palm right now has UCLA as a two-point road favorite. Avery, who wins? Who covers? Uh, a week ago, I would have like been 100% UCLA is going to win this game. I don't have a doubt in my mind, but UCLA is still licking their wounds from that Arizona loss. Like, obviously, losing to Arizona State puts you in a down mindset, but I guess it's a rivalry game, and winning the rivalry matters. Uh, So I think UCLA will win, but I think think USC is going to give them a really tough game. Yeah, I... Mick Cronin, fun fact, fun for whom? Not for me. Uh, fact, <laughs> Arizona. Er, uh, Mick Cronin has not beaten Andy Enfield yet uh, while at UCLA. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so a little bit of bad voodoo. <laughs> uh, I, 
I'm gonna. I think. I think UCLA wants to win this game very badly. I think they're gonna treat it as a must win, the way that Arizona treated their last game against UCLA as a must yeah. win. Um, this 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 game is technically on the road, but UCLA may have a bigger crowd there um, at the Galen Center. I'm gonna pick UCLA. I think they win. I think they cover two points. I think they'll win by more than that. So that's my that's my prediction. Greg, what do you think? Who wins that one? I think UCLA will win and cover. I'm not sure when UCLA will pull away, but I feel confident that they will at some point, just because of the styles that the two teams play. Uh, they're both happy to grind it out, you know? I think the difference between them is that UCLA has shot makers on shot makers. USC doesn't. And I yeah. think that's gonna I think that's gonna kill USC in the end. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It'll be fun. Uh, lots of great matchups in that one. And then finally, Valentine's Day. A little love for us on Pac-12 Basketball Twitter. Monday, February 14th, Washington State is going to travel to Eugene to play Oregon. The Ducks are a two-point home favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers? This one's tough. This one's really tough. Uh, mm, I'll be rooting for Oregon just because I think they have a better chance of making the tournament. But I just kind of feel like Washington State's gonna get this one like real close, maybe overtime or something, something crazy like that. Yeah, be a nice quad one win to put in their pocket. Yeah, I'm gonna. Oh man, uh, Will Richardson has been lighting it up. Do we think Noah Williams and or Michael Flowers is gonna be up to task of guarding him? Uh, and probably Dante's gonna be a problem for Washington State. Oh, give me, give me the Cougs. I think the Cougs are going to do it. Um, I think they're going to, we, if Kyle Smith is as good of a coach as we think he is, we might, we might see Washington state surging here late in the season and get a, get some big wins. If they, if they come out of this, uh, this week with two wins against Arizona and Oregon, we got to start having a, a different conversation with Washington state, um, than we've been having, but well, let's wait until that actually happens. Avery, who do you think wins, Washington State or Oregon? Oregon might have a better chance of making the tournament, but I think Washington State has a better chance of doing things in the tournament. I think oh, they would go deeper. Um, I just think they're a more solid team all around. Their offense has been a little icky, though, lately. But I think they'll win this game. Um, I, I Yeah, I think they'll win this game. I think we'll see how good wazoo is i'm excited for this game all right uh, of those three games arizona wazoo ucla usc and then oregon wazoo which are you uh what you all most excited to see oh, god. you got a favorite one that you're like oh yeah i'm gonna watch that one i'm gonna watch all three of these i think yeah yeah mainly because big test for washington state like we haven't had before and i've been super high on washington state this entire season and then ucla and usc like how are you gonna miss that with how good usc looked against arizona I don't know. They're all going to be really good games. I'm glad they're on different days. <laughs> yeah. 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 That we don't have to see any overlapping ones. Greg, do you, uh, is there one that you're going to be tuning in here to make sure you watch? Well, I want to, I want to watch all of them, but the one I'm most excited for is UCLA USC because I just really want to see a game where at the end, Johnny Juzang or Jaime Hawkes just buries some shots to put USC away. I think it would be fun to watch. Or maybe USC wins that game. I think that would be really fun to watch too. Whatever happens, it should be good. Last time we saw UCLA-USC in the Pac-12 tournament last year, it was electric. So I'm excited. We might have to talk about our scheduling because that – 
We normally record these on Mondays, um, but Wazoo Oregon is on a Monday, so we might have to record late. Make sure we get that one. We get to talk about that one. Um, okay. Well, that'll do us for uh, d- dual. That'll do it for us <laughs> as usual. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod. We're dropping basketball episodes every Tuesday at five a.m. We should do a football check-in. We should. Yeah. Pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, talk some talk some football, and Matt Hubertson, his headache will magically go away. <laughs> um, he couldn't join us because of a headache, but uh, that's that's because he didn't want to talk Maybe he's basketball. still building that place up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Buddy, he's going to be building that shit for a while. Um, okay, well, anyway, for Avery at Brave underscore Grapes and Greg at Banana Morphs, I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin. Thank you for listening, and remember... There are no truck stops here. Not even one. Kicking in my patience and wearing thin. Said I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street. Things aren't always green on the sunny side of the